Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, where we dig into aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. In today's episode, Todd and I dig into owning a six-seat airplane and which airplane might be the right ownership option for you. You know, there's a lot of folklore that surrounds every airplane, lots of airport quote-unquote expertise, and not of all of it is necessarily accurate. So in this episode, we try to give you a very big picture overview of the differences of some of the most popular six-seat airplanes, the Piper PA-46 line, the Beach A-36 line, the Saratogas, Cessna 210s, and 206s, and discuss some of the similarities and differences and what may or may not be important to you in your ownership decision. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. My name's Todd Mitten. I'm sitting here today with Chris Kirk. Chris, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm good, Todd. Getting a little close to Christmas. So I don't know when you're listening to this, but... Uh... We're, we're kind of looking forward to that right now. Absolutely, yeah. Wouldn't a new airplane be nice yeah, for Christmas? Oh, man, wouldn't it, though? Yeah. yeah. You know, we were talking about airplanes in general, and and we have so much interest in six-seat airplanes. That That's, I think, just the, the sweet spot in general aviation. Six-place six single-engine airplanes are in high demand for a reason. They just... they fit so many people's needs and and everyone like more useful load more whatever but in general a six-seat airplane is great so you had a thought and I think it's really kind of gonna be a fun topic what six-seat airplane might be right for you and I think the best way to approach that I mean you the listener what what airplane would be right for you and I think the best way for us to approach that is just to talk some generalities on on all these different airplanes with Piper manufacturers, what Cessna manufacturers, Beechcraft. So, uh, what do you think about that? You want to? Yeah, and, and I think what uh, uh, for everybody that's listening to know is we're not going to get down in the weeds here on the nuts and bolts of them. Uh, we're we're looking at it from a much higher level. You know, uh, what questions should you, as a prospective owner? Maybe think about what are some of the differences in these airplanes? How do they compare and contrast to each other? And so uh, our goal here is not to be, you know, precise on exactly what's the difference in the useful load or how many knots differences in airplane. We're going to talk in generalities, but things that uh, might help you hone in a little bit closer on something that is... uh, uh, are going to work for what you're trying to do. But some of that will come up, though, because you got to remember, uh, uh, speed is always something people are concerned about, and and uh, useful load is another thing. And these airplanes do have reputations for some are faster than others. Some are uh, better load carriers than others. So right. uh, why don't we start with Pipers, because Piper offers multiple choices. I'm, and I'm not talking about necessarily what they manufacture today, but what they've manufactured over the years, because obviously we deal in in uh, used aircraft, and and so that's what we're talking. We're, we can go back to the 1960s all the way up yeah. to the present day, you know, in terms of these airplanes. So, starting with the uh, PA32 line, 
let's talk about the advantages and disadvantages and maybe then compare that to the PA-46s and so on. Okay, so we're talking about the, the Cherokee 6s, the 260 horsepower and the 300 horsepower uh, through the Lance and then the Saratoga, both fixed gear and, um, and retractable. And so these airplanes started off in the early 60s and they ended 2008, if memory serves me right. And uh, so they had, they had quite a long life, but they're still extremely popular. Uh, I don't know why we don't have about a thousand more six, six fixed gear Cherokee sixes oh. out there because that has to be, that was such a great, great airplane yeah. right from the start. I mean, and in today's insurance environment with the fixed gear, I think it's cheaper to insure. So if you don't, for some reason you don't know, the Cherokee 6 is a fixed gear PA-32. And of course then there was a fixed gear Saratoga that came along right. later. But uh, what what do you think about the, that fixed gear scenario? Well, like you said, it's, it's a little cheaper to operate uh, when it comes to insurance and maintenance. Um, and they've got a tremendous useful load. I mean, you'll see some of these things up there with 15. I think some of them get close to 1,600 pounds of useful load. And, and that's huge. Uh, they're probably going to be a little uh, spartan on their outfitting, you know, to, between the interior right, and avionics. Right. And they're slow. Uh, there's just no two ways about it. You know, you're looking at a 130, 135-knot airplane. You're going to be burning a lot of gas, uh, probably uh, 16 to 18 gallons an hour, maybe, maybe not quite that much. Uh, to do that 130 knots. But I would argue that if if your mission, your typical mission is not a long flight, under 200 nautical miles, let's say we're, we're in the Kansas City area, a lot of people go to the Lake of the Ozarks every weekend, and that's not a very long, 125 nautical mile right. flight, Hour something flight, like maybe. that. Uh, you know, you want to load up several things that you need to take to the lake or you just have your your family your kids want to bring their friend or something like that that's that's so right in the cherokee six sweet spot to me yep it is you can you can throw uh you can throw just about anything in those airplanes you know there's an ad from years ago that showed them uh i don't know it was a lance or what it was but they were showing up they took those back doors off and were putting a piano back there. Do you remember that, Ed? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I'm not sure how legal that was. But, um, oh. but yeah, it's it's a load hauling plane. So, you know, if you're looking for that kind of thing, you got you got six people that you're taking or five people that you're taking regularly or four people and just a bunch of crap. Uh, you know, what a, what a great airplane for a small business to, you know, throw some tools in the back. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, a couple, couple engineers, a couple guys that need to get to a job site. But the drawback is... The further you go, the longer it's taking. Yeah. So maybe you want a little more speed, and now you start thinking about the Lance and then the Saratoga. Uh, I know that's right, and you you are as familiar as anyone with particularly the Saratogas. But starting with the Lance is what? What's your thoughts on a on a PA thirty two Lance? You know, the Lance is again the sweet spot on the um, on the retractable end of things. That's where it became a retractable airplane. It's got basically the same wing and same fuselage. It's got the shorter uh, Hershey bar wing, um, and and they've got a huge useful load. Uh, yeah. I think the Lance is probably one of the better airplanes out there because of what it offers. You know, it's it's not as fast as a Saratoga, but not that much slower. Uh, it, it certainly has a better useful load, but they're going to be a little older because they were only built for what three years. Uh, so there's there's not a lot of uh, there there are quite a few of them built, but they just the longevity of the line 
wasn't that great because that's when they transitioned to the serotonin. It was right at the time when the general aviation market was was really peaking, I think. Yeah. And Cessna and Piper and Beechcraft were all building hundreds of airplanes. So, but I didn't, I guess I had sort of didn't realize it was only three years at last. I think it was three years. I want to say it was 76 through 79, maybe. Yeah, maybe four years. in there. Yeah, there weren't yeah. very many years built. Just a, uh, it's because we don't see a lot of them for sale, do we? At least. We, we don't. And, you know, here's the here's one of the things that you have to wrap your head around. If you're looking at a 6 or you're looking at a Lance, and it has as much to do with the age of those airplanes as anything, and that is there's going to be probably some damage history on those airplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have been used a lot. They have been, um, they're, they're great airplane. If they've been maintained, they're going to last a really a long time. But it's very difficult to find one that has not had some form of damage history. Uh, and a lot of those lances end up in the freight business too. So yes. they got they were used hard, and that might have ate up some airframes. Yep. And you've got the turbo lance, and you've got the T tail lance, lance two. Um, What's your thought? Would you buy a T tail lance? I think so. I think most of the, you know the problem is that these airplanes get a bad reputation it's because of the people that are flying them. It's not necessarily because yeah. of the airplane. I mean, it's got its limitations. But I think the T tail. I think it's a good looking airplane. Mm-hmm, it um, is. It's a little hard to, to pre-flight the tail, which isn't my favorite thing. But, um, you know, you, you, you got to go into it with good training and knowing what you're getting into. I know there's a T-tail turbo lance that operates out of the local airport here where I keep my airplane. And, and that pilot, he takes it all regularly out to western Kansas, flies it a lot. And you'll see it coming in at, even at night and stuff. It's kind of just, it, I just think that's a guy that's really using his airplane mm-hmm. for for the purpose he needs. I mean, it's a business-related thing. But uh, so so then they transitioned to the Saratoga. And uh, the Saratoga's been through several iterations. Why don't you speak to that a little? Yeah, so you got the SPs that came out in the, in the um, uh, around 1980. And then you've got the, two, or the Saratoga 2s, which came out in 94. And, uh, you know, the different wing, so it's got a tapered wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes it a little faster. Uh, one of the nice things when you're looking at these things is that, uh, so when they went to the Saratoga, the designation became a 301. So, for example, a Lance was a, uh, a PA-32R 300. Um, the Cherokee 6 was a PA-32, either a 300 or a 260, depending on which engine. Right. But the, the Saratogas became a PA-32R 301, and it was a 301T if it's a turbocharged. But the point being is the 301s are not subject to that wing spar AD. It's a different wing. So when you look at those, if you're looking at a higher time airframe uh, on some of the sixes where you have to figure what the, the factored hours are to determine whether or not that AD applies, it does not apply, at least currently, to the Saratoga because it's an entirely different structure. That's, a, that's an important consideration if you are in the market for a Piper product to keep that <clears throat> that uh, wing spar ad in mind even even on the arrows and stuff like that you know, not just right not just the uh, Cherokee sixes and lances uh, so moving what are your thoughts and again the turbo uh, your your Saratoga is normally aspirated uh, thoughts on that versus turbo seems like there's more turbos available yeah. particularly 
later on. Yeah, there were more turbos built um, on the on the Saratoga two line, and I think if you have a reason for it, it's a great airplane. It's a it's a pretty easy to operate turbocharging system. You know, if you need to go long distances, get up high, you want to get above the weather, or you're operating out of higher density altitude airports, they're great. I don't have any of those needs really. Uh, so it, to me, it's it's overkill for what we need. But we're, we're flatlanders here. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the Achilles heel with the, with the, the Saratoga is its useful load. So you know, even though it's the same airframe, more or less the same type certificate, um, you know, those airplanes got heavier. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like like me over time. <laughs> not as thin as I used to be, but they, they get heavier, um, and and so your that eats into your useful load. Because it's got a taxi weight, a gross weight of 3,615 pounds, a maximum takeoff weight of 3,600 pounds. But now, you know, like my airplane's got like an 1,100, and, uh, I'm trying to remember, 65 or 70 pound useful load. And so, um, you know, we can we can carry five people if they're not great big people. I took everybody up last night, in fact, there was five of us uh, to go look at Christmas lights. But, um, you know, if you're looking for something that's going to carry 1,400 pounds, you're not going to find that. In the Saratoga. I think it's important to note that you, because uh, uh, let's say we have some listeners who learned, you know, one Cessna 172 and they, you know, you never thought much about weight and balance on a given flight. You just went out, you and your instructor went out, full fuel, half fuel, doesn't really matter. It's as long as you got enough to do your, uh, you know, your, obviously it matters how much fuel you have, but it, for the given hour long lesson, you, you weren't thinking that way. But now... In in your case, you you keep a ramp fuel load in that airplane. You want to talk about that a little because I think this is a, this is an important concept for maybe a newer pilot who's looking at upgrading to a yeah. airplane like yours. Well, you have to look at each person's individual situation. For us and our family, if I put more than seventy gallons in that airplane, we can't really go anywhere and take anything with us. So I I I won't ever if I don't know what's going to be going on, I don't ever top it off. Um, if it's just me flying, I'll top it off all the time. But rarely do I put more than 70 gallons in. One of the beauties of the Saratoga, though, and the, is that fuel tank, that fuel gauge, oh. I should say, right on the wing. Right on the wing. It's wonderful. So there's, it's a very easy system. It's you know The, the Cherokee 6s started off with four tanks. You had to manage them all individually, and it's, it's just a pain. Uh, the Saratogas, the, the two tanks in each wing are plumbed together. Um, you just have a left or right selector. It's a very easy to manage uh, system. But yeah, so you know you got to kind of keep that in mind uh, what you're doing. But you know, here's the reality. And this is what this is what makes it so funny to me is we'll talk to people that'll say, "Well, you can't fill the seats and you fill the tanks." Okay, let's presume, let's pretend you're going to fill the tanks on that Saratoga. No kidding. With with uh, I've done the math on it several times. With nothing more than a ten to fifteen knot tailwind, I can fly that airplane nonstop from here, Kansas City to Orlando, Florida. Yes. So. Now, that's going to take five and a half hours. You tell me who out of those six people isn't going to need to stop and take a bathroom break uh, between, you know, in that five and a half hour period of time. So, you know, what I tell my family is, look, we aren't going to be airborne any more than two to two and a half hours. Everybody's ready to get out, stretch, uh, you know, use their facilities, get a bite to eat or whatever. Uh, Nobody wants to be stuck in there for five hours. I know you personally have taken some longer flights in it though when just it's you going to do yeah. for example an airplane that we're going to list uh for sale wild blue you're out to go see that airplane take pictures 
evaluate it, see the log books, and, and you'll fly a good distance. Yeah. yeah, I've right. taken it quite a ways. Four hours, I think, is the yeah. most I've ever done. But even then, you know, after four hours, man, I'm ready to... I'm ready to peel myself out of there. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things to think about on a Saratoga as we look at some of these other airplanes and, and compare and contrast them is, um, you know, ease of access and, and comfort level in the airplane. And, and I think I can say unequivocally uh, between these four airplanes that we're going to look at, these four types, uh, the Saratoga up front is probably uh, the most comfortable of the four. It does take a little bit of contorting if you're sitting in that right front seat to get in and out. But you've got more room up front uh, on the two pilot seats than you do in any of the other airplanes. You've certainly got more shoulder room. Mm -hmm. So to give you a, uh, an example, Todd and I, neither one of us are small guys. We'll sit up there in the front seat of that airplane. And even as, as pretty big guys, we've got three to four inches between our shoulders. Mm -hmm. We're not rubbing shoulders. I sit there with my wife. We've got a good six inches or more between our shoulders. I will say this. The riding and I've ridden in the back of, of your airplane. It's quite comfortable back there. Yeah, take the back seat. Take my shoes off and put my feet on the stretch. And I'm six foot three. It's just, uh, it's really a nice ride. So you take that, that and the A36, you've got those big doors that open up. Mm -hmm. They are both ideal airplanes for somebody who you take regularly who might have some mobility issues. Um, it's wonderful to use for angel flight. Um, you know, my uh, my mother-in-law's got some knee issues. Well, she just sits right down there on the on that seat, and we're able to get her feet up in there, and it's just easy. She doesn't have to climb on a wing. She doesn't have to climb up air stair doors like you do on a PA-46. It's just easy. We've talked to a lot of clients over the years in that exact same situation. So yeah. uh, even if you're not in that situation today, if you're looking at buying one of these, you may have a down the road a, a parent that's aging or something like that. You may find yourself in that position unexpectedly five, ten years down the right. road. Right, right. So let me talk about one of the other Achilles heels of the Saratoga, though, and that is the lack of of weight increases that you can do to that airplane. So is it okay? Can I transition to the A36 Absolutely. here? Absolutely. I, I was just going to do that, yeah. So we got the A36, which um, obviously a wonderful airplane. Yeah. Um, I, would, I, I think I can say this easily on the resale market. It will perform better than just about any other single-engine airplane out there. I'd agree. Um, and so it, and it's got the opportunity to have a lot of weight or gross weight increases. So you can, you can bolster your useful load by the additional tip tanks or you know, doing turbo normalizing. So you've got those options that you don't have on a Saratoga. Right. You can get that airplane up to 4,000 pounds. And, you know, you can have 13, 1400 pound useful load in an A36. It's a, uh, there's some, uh, on a pure fly, and I know you're, you're pretty partial to your Saratoga, on a pure just flying sense, I mean, joy of flying an airplane, it's, it's hard to beat a bonanza. Oh, I agree. In terms yep. of just the, uh, you know, if you like flying, uh, uh uh, Bonanza pilots will happily talk about how nice their airplane flies, and rightly so. Uh, it is comfortable, so good, potentially good, useful load. Another interesting, I think, thing about about A thirty six is there's a tremendous variety of what's out there on the market, or will come on the market now and then. So the, some have been tremendously. The panels are way upgraded. G five hundred. I mean, everything just really. And then there's others that are still kind of old school. So there's a yeah. whole 
a whole. They're, they're, every one of them is different. Wouldn't you agree on? I, I would, and I totally agree with your, your sentiment on, on how they fly. They are a wonderful flying airplane. Um, I think as a, as a matter of comparing and contrasting them, in this case against the Saratoga, uh, it's a narrower cabin. You don't have that, that shoulder room or that width that you do. Uh, but because of that narrower cabin and narrower fuselage, you're also going to get about 10 to 12 knots better airspeed out of it for essentially the same fuel burn that you would out of the Saratoga. So... You know, uh, think about who you're flying and how often you're flying uh, and what kind of room that you need there. So, uh, and I think, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but here's, you know, I, I see I see Bonanza owners and I see PA32 owners. And they, they you know, it's like a, a person and their dog, right? There's, there's the personality tends to follow the kind of dog that you have. And so... Um, I, I tend to see Bonanza owners as being, um, and I think this just comes from years of experience of talking with them, but they, they tend to be uh, a little more knowledgeable. They tend to be a little more um, enthusiastic. And they, maybe enthusiastic is not the right word, but they, they certainly tend to, I think they overall, they take care, better care of their airplanes. Um, you know, I'll watch different forums and different things. And, uh, and as much as I love my airplane, sometimes it just, it just bothers me the way I see fellow PA32 owners taking care of their planes and how they're operating them. And there just doesn't seem to be that zest for really learning more than there is within the, the Bonanza uh, group. Well, I don't think there is a more... Uh, active and and it, I think this would I think ABS American oh, Bonanza man. Society was yeah. the first real owners group and and they have been the, the the gold standard for owners groups I think from you know uh, in in recent years I mean there's so much information in that ABS even if you don't own a Bonanza it's worth just yeah. belonging to but I think that I think. That's they've helped create that. I mean, there's a love of the airplane itself, and then there is the fact that 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 group has perpetuated this this belief in the airplane. And it's so so you end up with exactly what you're talking about: enthusiastic owners who, you know, people will talk about being the caretaker of the airplane, right. and it shows in the, a lot of the a36s and other versions of the bonanza that we see in the sales business i will uh, that's the definitely the the plus to it the the downside of the bonanza even more so than the saratoga or boy a lot of these airplanes have been geared up over it yeah gee it's yeah, a shame the damage history is 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 so prevalent uh that it, it's a source of frustration. It is because I just hate it. Luckily, they're repaired, and it's a you know that's it doesn't. I'm not, I don't mean to say that damage history is a showstopper. I would buy the right airplane even if it had damage history. On given all the circumstances, uh, you know how many years ago was it? Who repaired it? Right. Uh, but but if you're looking at a, at a at at this type of an aircraft, you're gonna there's a good chance. Damage history is out there, and and if you're concerned about that, really pay attention to the airplanes that are 1983 and prior. 
So before, in, in 1984, Beach changed the, uh, the panel and went to, instead of the single bar yoke, they went to individual yokes. Mm-hmm. And they also changed the arrangement of the gear and flaps. So on the pre, uh, in 1983 and before, the, the gear and the flap handles were reversed that of a lot of other airplanes, yes. which contributed to some of that, um, some of that gear up stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to mention there's guys out there that, and this happens on any airplane, but they get, they get anxious and they start moving things when they're still on the runway and before they have the chance to really verify what they're doing. Absolutely. But, but take a look at that if you're looking at a 1983 or older, um, cause I think the odds are, I haven't seen the, I'm sure ABS has got it, but the odds are that those are the, the number of them proportionally has been much higher. I think if, if there's one takeaway from this entire podcast, it might be that if you're flying a retractable gear airplane, wait until you are clear of the, <laughs> you know, in the, in the airline business, you know, we wait until we're completely clear of the runway before we even call for any of the checklists. And then, and even then the captain's just taxiing the airplane. You got the first officer is taking care of all that. You you translate to the general aviation world where where guys you know you're doing it all as a pilot and some guys are trying to impress someone that they're flying with and their hands are moving everywhere real quickly and that's how the gear gets collapsed on some of these now and then. Yep. So. And I, I, let me give another shout out to ABS American Bonanza Society because uh, even though I don't uh, own a Bonanza right now, I, I've been a subscriber, a member for a number of years, and the training that you get through just some of the things that are written and you know the articles they've got a, they've got a number of very highly regarded experts yes. uh, at, at ABS. And um, and one thing I think ABS has done a good job fostering is that that um, mindset of having. They have experts, people that are, and and they they go to those people in search of that. Um, I don't think any of the other owners' organizations really have, at least in terms of what we're talking about today, have really cultivated that to the, the degree that ABS has. And so, consequently, I'll just share the PA thirty two. There is no, you know, there's a couple magazines out there, and they do an okay job. They are nowhere near on the level of ABS. And so, and then there, there's really no experts. You get on these forums, and everybody's an expert. <laughs> Which is scary because some of the guys are throwing things out, and you're like, I, you know, sometimes I'm better not even listening to them at all. Um, and and I, in, in ABS, you got a go-to person. You got a, you know, Tom Turner comes up, you know, yes. as, as uh, training. I mean, you got a go-to guy, and then he's backed up by several others. Exactly, I, I couldn't agree more. And so, if you're considering ownership in in one of these, that's that is really a, I, I mean. A, that's an asset or a, what's the word I want to use, a, something you can go to uh, that you'll have forever in that in that type airplane. Yeah. I don't know you'll ever have in, in a Piper or Cessna. So uh, anything on else on the A36 line, the 6C or anything before you know, we move on to Cessna? No, so let's, let's, we've touched on a lot of stuff. You want, to, you want to touch on, what do you want to do, like the 210, 206? Yeah, you want to go two, back over to the PA46? Oh, we didn't, we didn't talk about the PA46, did we? Uh, let's save that for the end. Let's go okay. to Cessna because the, the PA forty six is a little bit of a even different animal. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, Cessna two tens and great airplane, fast uh, and, and some some great things about it, but some challenges too. Yep. 
And you, you even throw the kind of throw the two hundred six in that yeah. line. You know, the two hundred six is slower. Um, it's it's a good airplane, but um, I, I don't, tell me from your perspective, what are the advantages of, of a two ten? Well, they're a little faster. I, I think of the. I think they're a little faster than. A, am I speeding out of turn there? Uh, seems like to me. I, I like the and, and I think the accessibility of of. At least the front seats mm-hmm. are good on on a back Cessna. seats not so much. Uh, so I do like that. Yeah, the back seat. If you're talking about hauling a lot, that's that's not good. Uh, I think they're you know if you've a lot a lot a lot of people trained in Cessnas to begin with, and I think there's a continuity there that that mm-hmm. is of some value. So. Those are some of the big things to me. The challenge with them, to me, is more than anything, is that they uh, you know, they really haven't been built since the mid-80s. Right. So, you know, unlike the PA-32, which went up to 2008, and A-36 is still being, G-36 is still being built, and uh, the PA-46, which we'll touch on, but there hasn't been anything built in the in the 210 line. Now, of course, the 206s are being, uh, being built. But that's, you know, you, you get into that Cessna retractable gear, Kind of that that goofy, um, yeah. The system <laughs> reputation not not great. Yeah, it's it's how it's been maintained. So I think whatever you're looking at, you know, ask ask the the owner a lot of questions, but really dig into the logs and see how that airplane has been operated. Yes, uh, and good chance to get a damage history. Yep, but good useful load. Mm-hmm. They've got a good, useful load. They they are very um, they're very easy to get into. Um, I think they've got more room than the A thirty six up front. Uh, they've certainly got a lot of panel real estate that you can deal with. Uh, if you don't have air conditioning, you've got the high wing that uh, kind of shades you a little yep. bit, and you don't have the strut, uh, so you get a little extra visibility there. Um, of course, fueling means you're. You gotta have a ladder. Yep, it's it's a little inconvenient, uh, but that's you know that's just something you deal with, I guess. If you're a, if you're a bonanza or I mean a, a two ten owner, I, I just always uh, I think for a couple people flying, you don't ever you don't typically load up a lot of of extra stuff. I think they're a great airplane for. Uh, but you start trying to throw people in the back, and it gets hard to get in and out, especially way in the back. Mm-hmm. And I don't even understand sometimes why they have that. That's a that little kid seat, yeah, you know, almost in the back. Yeah. Well, the thing that the you kind of have to keep in mind too is that the um, you know with a two hundred six or a, a two ten, <coughs> you, you got the higher wing, so you might have the availability. To especially with a 206 to go into a, a less improved strip and and have better wing clearance and it will certainly handle better on that. You can take those uh, wing those wheel fairings off and put oversized tires on. And, yeah, you know you can't do that with a 210, obviously. Well, now you're getting into something kind of specialized. Yeah. So uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, you probably wouldn't be considering. I mean, I know up in Alaska they operate a lot of 206s and even 207s, but uh, and there are some uh, Cherokee 6s that operate in that environment up there. Mm-hmm. But I think the I think the 206 is the favorite. 206 is the favorite, or the tail draggers. Yeah, 
And you've got, with a 210, you've got several versions. You've got the normally aspirated, you've got the turbocharged, and you've got the pressurized. And so you get that P210, um, which back in the day, you know, reading Flying Magazine way oh, back yeah. when with Richard Collins flying around in his P210. And, Gee. Um, and, and that was a great airplane back in the day, and it's still a good airplane, but, but boy, that's one of those airplanes that you need to go into with your eyes wide open on expenses. <laughs> so that is an airplane that will uh, that could potentially cost you a lot of money, as will any pressurized airplane as they age. Yes. Is there a life limit on those airframes? I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sure a listener could somebody tell us. Yeah, could tell us for sure. But we don't see in the in the sales end. We do not typically see much in the P210 market. No, no. In fact, the last couple of them that have come our way, I've turned down. They've been just too full of, of uh, history. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I, I had one too a while back, uh, same deal. Uh, so that brings us around uh, back to Piper, I think, to the PA-46 Malibu Mirage yep. Matrix Meridian <laughs> on and online. If it's if it's an M word, it might be a Piper. Uh, what... There's a lot to think about, and a lot of guys are very interested in these airplanes, and rightly so, because performance-wise, they're great. There are some real important things you have to think about right off the bat, and first and foremost is, is it going to fit in your hangar? Is it going to fit in your hangar? Um, And are you going to fit in it? Yes, yes. You know, the question I ask everybody from the get-go is, I just get real personal. How how tall are you, and how much do you weigh? Mm -hmm. Because that airplane... um, for me, I was just out flying with um, Ed the other day, and just reminded me, um, you know, I'm six one, sitting in that seat, mm-hmm. and my head is rubbing up against the top of the, uh, uh, and I've got the seat all the way down. It's rubbing up against the the headliner. Got my headset on, and I'm almost, you know, I'm almost doing the Mooney tilt with yep. my with my head there. And, and uh, I tell people, if you're taller than six one, you need to make sure you're going to be comfortable in that airplane before. Do anything else. So you have to consider the size in and size out right off the bat. Uh, the next thing is, I think that a lot of people just don't really realize this is what insurance is now really driving training for that airplane, isn't it? Huge, huge. So we just acquired um, that Mirage mid nineties Mirage for a client here. Closed mm-hmm. on it two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He's a great example. Been flying a long time. Uh, military guy. Uh, flying a lot of civilian stuff. Had a lot of twin time. Had turboprop time. Uh, no mirage time. And uh, I want to say that his first year insurance premium came out to fourteen thousand. Wow. Um, may have been may have been a little less than that. What about his training? Well, he's going to have to do. He's going to have to do training, uh, initial training, and then recurrent training. So you can expect, and of course, on the bright side of that, that's going to make you a better pilot, isn't it? A yeah. lot, because a lot of guys in general aviation up to that point haven't really gone through formal training on a given aircraft. Uh, right. They've been they've gone through obviously training for their their licenses and ratings, but but as far as a formal kind of focused course, I think. I think you would ultimately feel like you know the airplane better than you knew perhaps past airplanes that you were flying. So that's a definite benefit. Yeah. And and can I make a plea to our listeners here? 
if if you're looking at a PA forty six airplane, you got to change your mindset in the way you own and operate an airplane. Uh, this airplane does not fly like what you're used to, and we see so many people that go out and gear collapse them. That seems to be one of the biggest issues. They're running it off the runway. They're they're having gear collapses. Occasionally, they'll overstress the wings. It's a it's a very long. Um, a laminar flow of wing is very thin. It, it, it is subject to that kind of stuff. It is it, This airplane does not fly like your 172 or like your A36 or like your Cirrus or like your, your Saratoga. It is not like that. Get good training and respect the airplane because it will bite you if you don't. The only aircraft accident I've ever witnessed uh, in person was a PA-46. Have I told you that uh, story? No, I don't think so. Uh, first time I flew to Oshkosh, 2015, I had my old uh, Cherokee 180, and I had camped for a couple days out there. I had a great time, and then up in the North 40, and uh, I would I had just finished. I was leaving that morning, and I had just finished getting my uh, tent all packed away. And while while doing all that, though, I had a handheld radio out and was just kind of listening and in and so on. But I I. The sun was coming up in the east, of course, and so I'm I'm looking down uh, in the direction of what would be runway nine. I'm on the north side, okay. runway nine yeah. two seven, and I see this uh, plan view of a, an airplane, long wings, and and in a in a tight ter- base leg turn to land on runway two seven, and and I even I had a thought. You know, well, I wonder what that is. I didn't write a way. It was kind of, I don't know. I wasn't 100% sure what it was, but those are long wings. And I thought that's pretty aggressive maneuvering, though, coming around. Like, wow, he's really working right in here to land. You know, of course, I'm I'm doing all this with my hands in front of Chris for all of you listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the I look up, I look away because I'm continuing to get my gear packed up and I, I look back and I start to weigh at that probably almost a mile, at least three quarters of a mile from me because I'm at, I'm at one end of the runway there where the North 40 is and and the airplane pancaked essentially and there's, so there's smoke coming up and uh, and it, he just landed, there were five people on board, luckily no serious injuries, I think maybe one or two went to the hospital hmm. but... Uh, and did he have the gear up originally or did he just Flatten the gear, just hit. So I think the you... I think the gear was down. He just just wow. He just stalled the airplane, or essentially ran out of talent right there. And and I I mean it just wow. Uh, so to your plea to our uh, listeners that if you are in that PA forty six market, you just have to start thinking a little more along the lines of a professional pilot. It's not a recreational airplane in any way, shape, or form. It's right. a traveling airplane. It's not your $100 hammer airplane. No. And, but we should we should probably address the differences. You know, uh, the, the basic um, Piper Malibu that started all at 310 horsepower. Uh, yeah, back in the 80s. Uh, uh, Continental engine. And... Uh, and now it's uh, the airplane when it became the Mirage has a 350 horsepower Lycoming. Uh, I think that the the Malibus are probably getting fewer. And, You're not seeing quite as many of yeah, them. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the uh, but the Mirages, there's lots of them, and yep. and still highly desirable and sought after airplane. Uh, 
Now then Piper got cute and came up with the Matrix and, well, they also, the Turbine version, which we can get to in a second, but the, the Matrix is, there's not a lot of those out there total, what, maybe 400 and so. I'd have to look at the register. I don't remember what off the top. But the Matrix uh, is, you know, just unpressurized. Looks the same and everything. What's the, what are the, your thoughts on the advantages and disadvantages uh, to a Matrix? Well... There, there's several. I, frankly, I'm, I think what Piper should have done was continue to build the Saratoga and not build the Matrix. Mm-hmm. But um, the Matrix does fit a, a role because it is it is a known ice airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, um, you know, it it's fast. It's every bit as much of a performer, if not more so. Um, you're just going to have to wear oxygen. You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with that. Um, Insurances and maintenance are going to be a little bit lower because you're not dealing with the pressurization. You're not dealing with that. And so you can get into a PA-46 uh, at, at a lower entry point cost-wise than you can with a, uh, with a Mirage often. You know, and in fact, we were just, cause we were just, I was just going through this with a client, and uh, I think it really made the difference of about 10 years. So we ended up getting him into a Mirage. as a, He started off with a Matrix. And then we were talking about it, we ended up moving towards a Mirage. But to do that same airplane, we had to go about 10 years older for that price-wise. Right. So something to, something to think about. And, you know, and the, the beauty of these airplanes, though, is if you, if you have people that are flying with you a lot, there's no more comfortable back end of an airplane than on that Mirage. Right. Uh, of all the planes that we've talked about. Lots right. of extra legroom. It's club seating, you know, between... An A36 or a Saratoga, if you got people facing each other, their legs are going to be intertwined. That's not going to happen on the Mirage unless you got really tall people. And what about the door, though? You got that air stair door, right. so you got to climb up those stairs and get into it. But, you know, you can uh, uh, you can feel important and stand at the top of the stairs and wave, <laughs> wave. at your uh, raving fans, you know, as you mm-hmm. exit the empty like airport. Play a rock star. That's right. Uh, well, that. Uh, there are some you make some good points about the matrix i think and the, there is some viability of that airplane that might it might appeal to a segment anyway mm-hmm. but uh and of course then you can go on to the turbine versions of meridian and so on and now the m500 m600 holes uh but that's uh a little bit probably beyond the scope of where where i yeah. think what we're talking about today so. Yeah, I think if, uh, if I point to somebody, if you're looking at an earlier uh, Meridian, uh, the earlier ones had a lower useful load, lower gross weight. So be, be uh, aware of that as you get into them because it may not, uh, may not work for what you're trying to, trying to do with it. But the beauty of, and I'm going to go back to the Matrix here, so one other thing. Uh, one of the good things about the Matrix is if you have no PA-46 time, maybe you don't have a lot of time, you may find it a lot easier just to get insurance, period. Mm-hmm. Not whether or not the cost is, whether or not you can get it at all, going into a matrix, building up some time, and then moving on to the, uh, the pressurized uh, version. So, uh, and there's there's a lot of room for move up in those airplanes. We see a lot of people coming from a lot of other airframes going to those airplanes. I mean, there's a reason. There's a lot of of uh, Piper ads in the Cirrus magazine. If you go look in the Copa magazine, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Mirage M500, M600. Excuse me. Uh, ads in those magazines because that's that's kind of the logical step up to those right right but hey i think we're about out of time todd I it's do a too, it's a good conversation it's kind of fun just to analyze airplanes at the end of the day 
it's your personal needs and personal opinions, but you know we'd be happy to talk uh, to any of you to answer these kind of questions. Yeah, especially if you're looking to buy and you're looking for somebody that can help you. That's one of our services is uh, working as a, a buyer's agent, a buyer's representative. We do that uh, as, as much as we do the the brokering or the sale of other airplanes. So. Uh, trying to get the folks into that right airplane that's right for them. And uh, a lot of it's just a lot of discussion that we have, a lot of questions that we ask. Because uh, you know, we, want, we want to make sure that you're happy. Last thing we want to hear is you come back to us two years later and say, gosh, God, you know, what in the world did you get us into that airplane for? Um, and so sometimes it, it'll change. It's, it's a matter of you changing your mind on what you think is the right airplane for you. I, I, I think that's well said. Give us a call, 888-773-4249. We'll be happy to talk airplanes and and uh, give you a little guidance. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.